how to be thankful for and in all things. Is that not true? And so this morning, um, I appreciate uh, the attitude that is here and with what we're doing it for in Jesus' name. You know, the Bible teaches us that there were 10 lepers that came to Jesus, and he didn't have to do that. He could have just said, listen, I got a place I got to be. I got Bible studies I need to teach. I got to be here and there. But Jesus took time to pray for those 10. And then he gave them instructions. He said, go show yourself to the priest because you're going to need that because I'm, you're healed. Amen. But one of them took time to come back and, and just really literally just, you know, bowed before Jesus. And Jesus was able to do that. He was able to do something for him. And he said, you're made whole. And so I, I, I believe this morning that's what God really wants to do for some people. There might be somebody online here today that you've got an issue, and, and God knows that. It was a lady that had an issue for 18 years. There was another one that had one for 12 years. I mean, we see these things, and I'm not making small of them. I'm just saying that God is able to do exceeding abundant above all that we ask or think. But I think a lot of that does or gets started or can be further accentuated when we come with thanksgiving and we lift him up in Jesus' name. Can we do that right now? Can you just lift up both of those hands right now? Now lift up your voice, unless you're impaired right now. Come on, give God some praise. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, to the light, to the glory of the Almighty God. Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. And you may be seated. I'm going to bring your attention to the book of Deuteronomy here right off the bat. Um, the book of Deuteronomy is, again, like I've mentioned before, is Moses' farewell speech. And he um, declares many, many things. Um, if, you, if you notice the book, it's kind of cut in two. One of them, uh, half of the book is saying, you know, if you'll do this, I mean, God will do this and this and this and this. And it's literally just full of things, just absolutely full of all kinds of promises and guarantees and, and things of that nature. And then, and then the other half of the book really does kind of accentuate on if you don't, this is what's, what's going to happen. And um, I, I understand that people can take that negative. I don't. I take it as being a fully disclosed God. God just kind of, dis he discloses both ends of it. He said, you know, and that's why the word, or the two-letter word, if, is found many, many times in Scripture, because it really does, it's a door. You know, if you go through door, this door number one, this is what's going to happen. If you go through door number two, this is what you can expect. And a lot of times we think it's God that's doing it. But you must understand that when Adam and Eve fell in the garden, they were in a protected, beautiful environment. They were. And there's no proof that God was restoring the entire world, I mean, at that point in time. It just, he took a section of it and said, okay, here, this, here's what I'm going to do. But you must understand that when they were banished from that garden, they went into a fallen world. And the fallen world had already been involved with the curse. 
And so that's what a lot of you are experiencing in the world today. That's not God, it's just judgment that has taken place um, because of disobedience and that type of thing. And so this is what we find ourselves. But I do believe that God has got protected environments that he wants to bring us into. And that doesn't mean that nothing will ever happen to us that is negative. It just means that we have protection, that we really do. Let me show you uh, in, in typology. Let me kind of give you one of those for instances. In the 8th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, and I want to show you something here in verse number 15. The Bible says, and again, he's reminding them of what God did and, and, and how he brought it about and so on and so forth. And then in the midst of this, he said, who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness. Now, this is reference, referencing to the nation of Israel, the children of Israel, when they were, um, when they were um, um, delivered from, from Egypt, that they went into a wilderness and that type of thing. And the Bible says, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions, and drought where there was, was no water. Somebody say, no water. no water. And that's what happened. There's times when God literally would do that. He would take them into a place where there was no water, praise God, and who brought forth water out of the rock of Flint. You see that? Now, he didn't do that every time. We have this idea that God had this rock following him every day, and, um, and, and when they needed water, all they had to do is go to that rock and, and that type of thing. That is simply not true. What you'll only find is two times in the scriptures where that happened. And I'm going to relate that to you here in just a few minutes. But the bottom line is a lot of times what God did was he led them to water. That's what he would do. And so there were natural things that took place. Natural things that had to take place. Amen. And so this is what you find with God. And this is sometimes what we have to differentiate between. When is there a miracle needed? Or does God just kind of lead us to a place where naturally that can happen with his help? Again, I'm not here to be critical. I'm just here to say that we have to be careful with that one. I like the instant miracles. And so does most people. And so we get into the habit of saying, well, I guess that's what God is going to do. Well, maybe he is. I don't know. I'm not telling God what to do. I'm just saying sometimes I have to recognize what God is leading me into and the places that he's doing that. You know, to illustrate that, the tabernacle. It's one of the most fascinating studies that you're going to get into in the Old Testament, in my opinion. I, I just think it's a beautiful study. Um, in particular, the 25th, 26th, 27th, 28th, 29th, and the 30th chapters of the book of Exodus. If you'll study those chapters, you're going to see where Moses was given just very, very specific instructions when, in how to build this. Amen. And, you know, our natural reaction would have been, okay, just now, up here. And that's not what happened. Because when you get to the 31st chapter of the book of Exodus, you find that God took somebody on this earth and anointed them to begin to build it. So this is what I'm trying to help somebody understand, praise God. That's why living for God is such an important thing. Because, you know, God a lot of times is, you know, he, he's a God of principles and patterns. I understand that. But sometimes he kind of goes here and then he goes there and that type of thing. And the only guarantee you and I have is just to stay close to him. Now somebody here needs to really take heed to this. Because, you know, you, you get wandering in the wilderness, praise God, and you expect God to go everywhere you go. He's not going to do that. That's not how it works. You know, that's, that's a very valuable lesson that God taught me the first couple of years I was in the church. That, you know, God was, putting, was in the process of putting parameters in my life. 
but that wasn't a guarantee that I was going to stay behind those parameters. You know, and sometimes, I'm, and I'm not bragging about this, but I would veer off, and I would, you know, ask that proverbial question, well, where is God? Well, he's back there where, you know, where he operates. And so you and I, we have to be careful with that, and we have to allow God to understand and uh, to, to know that we have faith and we have trust in him. Can you say amen? amen? Praise God. So I hope that this morning that your eyes will be open to that in Jesus' name. Now let me show you these two instances where we see that God literally performs a miracle. He does. And the reason he performed a miracle was because of what uh, Moses said in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8. There was no water. God had led them purposely to a place where there was no water. And so something had to happen from the supernatural realm. And we see twice in, in the book of Exodus where that happened. Let me show you this. Look at uh, the book of Deuteronomy, or I'm sorry, book of Exodus chapter 17. Look at this. And this is in the beginning stages of the nation of Israel. This is when they're trying to get their foothold in, in things. And Moses is, is you, know, trying to, you know, trying to follow the things of God and so on and so forth. The Bible says in chapter number 17, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying in verse number 1, I'm in chapter 17. I'm sorry, that's numbers. I got the wrong book here. Um, Exodus. Praise God, if I can get it. Yeah, Exodus chapter 17. Praise God. Sometimes I need glasses, and sometimes I don't. This morning, for some reason, I do. It says in verse number 17, Exodus chapter 17 and verse number 1, it says, And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord and pitched in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Look at somebody and say there wasn't any water there. It wasn't. There was no water there. Okay. Well, the scripture says, wherefore the people did chide with Moses, which is normally what happens with carnal people. It says, and said, give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, why chide ye with me? Wherefore do you tempt the Lord? And then he goes on to say in verse number three, and the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? See where carnality will take you? It'll take you to the worst scenario. And that wasn't true. I mean, come on. God who just took care of the greatest army in the world... God who, who purposely led you across the Red Sea and dried that land up, literally, overnight, amen, and, and, and here you are, I mean, we, 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 we have a challenge from God, and right away we want to go to the nth degree. And we have to be careful with that one, folks, because we're carnal too. We have carnal tendencies, that's why we have to be careful with that. But here, watch what Moses did. The Bible says the Moses cried unto the Lord. That was a good, good idea. Saying, what shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. Yeah. Between a rock and a hard place here. And the Bible says, and the Lord said unto Moses, go on before the people and take with thee of the elders of Israel and thy rod, wherein thou smotest the river, take in thy hand and go. So you notice what he's doing here. He's saying, take the things that you know work. And let's do something here. 
Praise God. And I, I've seen God and I've heard God and I've watched God do that many, many times. If we won't fall into the depths of despair, if we won't jump off the cliff, if we won't get to a place where we just start accusing God of being unfair and all that kind of business, he will begin to speak to us and he, as he always does, will give us marching orders. He'll tell us to do that. You've heard me, most of you have heard me teach the lessons over the years, simple instructions. That's what he will do. Don't you remember 2 Kings chapter 5 with Naaman? Remember that? And remember the problem he had? This wouldn't be my river. This wouldn't be the one I would want to dunk in. And, you know, a couple of his servants, you know, who were supposed to be not as smart as him, just said, listen, my goodness, if he told you to go over here and do that, he said, wouldn't you do that? See how we can become? And so we have to be very careful with that. And this is what God wants to bring back into the picture because God can bring water where there's no water. And then there are times when God will faithfully lead us beside the still waters. And if we'll be in tune with God, I'm going to tell you something, either one of those will work. And somebody say amen. amen. Now notice this. The Bible says now Moses, being the leader, had to be very, very, very careful with the instructions of God, which I'm going to bring to you here in just a few minutes. The Bible says, Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb. So I'm not saying it didn't happen. This is one of those times where it did, where the rock was there, praise God. And the Bible says, And thou shalt smite. Everybody say smite. It says the rock, and there shall come water out of it that the people may drink. And the Bible says to Moses' credit, and Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place, the place Massa, and it says Meribah, which, you know, um, uh, which really what those two names mean is, is strife and contention because that's what was there. And the Bible says, because of the chiding of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? Now, I'm going to stop here, but if you go on in this chapter, you're going to find the first battle that the nation of Israel fought, and it was with Amalek. And that was the time, remember, where, where God instructed Moses to go up into the hill, up there where everybody could see him, you know, and he, he said, put your arms up. And you remember what happened when he would do that? I mean, they were, they were overcoming the army. Praise God. But Moses being a man, Moses being a person, a human being like us would get tired. And you remember how that worked? How his arms would come down? And then they began to lose the battle. And all of a sudden, the children of Israel figured this out. They said, man, we got to help this guy. And so, you know, two of them got beside him, praise God, and they helped lift his arms. And they were, over, they were able to overcome the nation of Amalek, praise God, because of the instructions of the Lord. Can you say amen? amen. I'm going to stop here for a minute. I'm going to have a word of prayer for some of you right now because you need to really get this. Praise God. If you cannot take instructions from God, you know, I'm going to tell you something. Um, you're, you're in rough shape. And that's not a threat, folks. That's just the way it is. Amen. And I'm going to demonstrate this here with the next example here, how we need to remain close to God in Jesus' name. Would you just lift your hands up right now? Begin to call upon the Lord. Come on. He's here. He's here. Somebody here is being led by the still waters right now. 
Amen. This place could be, could be that right now, the place where the still waters are, where you can receive with meekness the engrafted word that's able to save your soul, that's able to give you direction for the rest of this month. It's able to help you for the rest of this year that you can get rid of that cloud of doom. You can get rid of that depression that's been haunting you in the name of Jesus. It can go and you can get clear direction from God. In fact, in the name of Jesus, I claim that right now. That that promise in the name of Jesus. Akata, Brebako, Boyalanita, Alando, Bri, Dialamati, Asta, Astia, Yalamando, Riba, Kahachia, Yalabako, Hostia, in the name of Jesus. Wow. Come on, do you feel that? Why don't you give God some praise? Come on, you don't need a cheerleader. You need a heart of gratitude. That's what you need. Praise God. Mm, hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. And not to sound critical, but man, we don't need cheerleaders. We don't need people to prompt us. We just need somebody to do it in front of us, and then let's just join with them. In Jesus' name, giving praise and glory to God should be one of the most natural things that your spiritual person does. Oh, hallelujah. He's been so good to us. He has, folks. Come on. Get, why don't you turn CNN off? Come on. Why don't you turn Fox News off? And why don't you start getting into the Word of God and realizing, praise God, that you serve a God that can lead you someplace where there is no water and He can create it in Jesus' name. He literally can do that. Praise God. But as I've already said before, He didn't do that all the time. He would lead the, the children of Israel into places. You know, uh, just prior, or, you know, after that, you, or prior to that, you see where God led them into a place where the waters were bitter, where they didn't taste very good. But God knows what he's doing. Amen. And with careful instructions, and folks, believe me, that's what you and I got to get good at. We got to get good at hearing the instructions of God and then obeying. Listen to me, folks. Those are the two most important principles you'll ever get involved with in your life is hearing God and obeying Him. Hearing God and obeying. It is not that complicated. It's just when we get off the road and when we, we decide that God's going to do it the same way every time, that's where we can really get mixed up. And when we just say, Lord, whatever, however you want to do this, this is how I want to be, I want to be aware of in Jesus' name, praise God. And so this is what God will do, praise God. He, he, and he's a faithful God. He's a faithful God. Now let me show you the other time in, 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 in the uh, Old Testament where we see this happening also. And this is in the book of Numbers. I don't know if you're aware of this or not. And this is after a while, you know, you've got to understand, you know, the children of Israel have already rejected God and his plan as a whole. You know, I mean, that's the sad reality. You know, he sent those spies over to the land to let them know how great the place was. And then all they could see was the opposition. And that's what happens to us too from time to time. Because all we can see is what's coming against us. And there's times when God would miraculously open up people's eyes. Amen. He'd say, let them see all that's for you in Jesus' name. Amen. And so I hope that will happen for some of you, even today, praise God, because there's a lot that's, that's for you in Jesus' name, if we can understand that. Amen. In fact, if God be for us, <laughs> there's nothing, there's none can stand with him. 
in Jesus' name. And so here we are again. We in Numbers, we're coming to a, a similar situation in Jesus' name, and, and they're traveling and, 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 and so on and so forth, and, and basically God is giving them a daily regimen and, 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 and so on and so forth. And verse number 2, I'm in, um, I'm in chapter number 20 of, um, of uh, Numbers, Numbers, uh, let me begin in verse number one. It says, Then came the children of Israel, even the whole congregation. Sounds familiar, familiar doesn't it? Chapter 17 of Exodus and, and, and chapter 20 of, of Numbers is very similar. It says, Into the desert of Zin in the first month. And the people abode in Kadesh, and, and Miriam died there and was buried there. And look at verse number two. Come on, look at somebody and say there wasn't any water. No. And so the scripture says, for the congregation. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and Aaron. Here we go again. You know, similar tale, right? You know, we're going to get, we got to blame somebody here. You know, we're going to get after somebody. And so over the years, I, I'm not saying I'm Moses. That'd be a big mistake. But I have had myself in a position of Moses. When you're a leader, that's what you're going to do. And sometimes people are going to question you. They're going to wonder what you're all about and that type of thing. And, and uh, you know, it used to intimidate me, but it doesn't as much anymore. As long as I know I'm close to God. As long as I know that, hey, I'm still, I'm still seeking him. I want to please him. Um, I have no alternative motives. Praise God. I don't want to be God. I never would want to be God. You're better at it. You're the greatest. And so I'm just me, and I want to be the servant that you have created me to be. And so the people said in verse number 3, the people chode with Moses and spake again, spake, saying, Would God that we had died when, when our brethren died before the Lord. Now this is, again, some history has passed here, and they've seen the judgments of God. And so the scripture says, And why have ye brought up the congregation of the Lord into this wilderness, that we and our cattle should die there? Okay, and then the Bible says, And wherefore have ye made us to come up out of Egypt to bring us in, to, uh, us in unto this evil place? It, it is no place of seed or of figs or of vines and of pomegranates, neither is there any water to drink. Praise God. They're just lining it right out. It just doesn't make any sense in the world. Praise God. And I'm going to stop here for just about 15 seconds and tell you that anybody who lives for God for any kind of length of time is going to find themselves in the wilderness. You're going to find yourself in a wilderness place. And it's purposely God leading you out there so that you can be reminded that he's God and you're not. That's really a lot of the, the reason for that. And so here we have this again, the same almost identical scenario here. And so the scripture says again in verse number 7, And the Lord spake to Moses. Aren't you glad for a man of God who will pray? Aren't you glad for a man of God who reads their Bible? Aren't you glad for a man of God who will continually do that every day of his life? Well, I know that most of you aren't saying amen, but you really need to. That's one of the things that you should pray for, praise God, because that's what the man of God has to do. He needs to be, you know, before the Lord all the time in Jesus' name. And so beings that Moses was, he could, again, get instructions. But here's what I want you to see. Look at this in verse number 8. Now, God, again, is going to use some similarities, but he's going to do something different here. And the scripture says, take thy, the rod and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron and thy brother, 
And, um, and he says, speak unto the rock. Do you see that? Yeah. See, he's not doing it the same way this time. He's saying, we're going to do something. And there's a purpose for this. Amen. And I'll show you what it is here in just a few minutes. But the Bible says, but I want you to speak unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth, or bring forth to them water out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts to drink. Again, God leads them someplace where there is no water. And so God is again going to create a resource. He's going to bring water out of a rock again. And man, I mean to tell you, it, I, I'd have loved to have been there to see that. That would have been just amazing. But here's something that happened here. And I'm not trying to rake Moses over the coals, but look at this. The Bible says, And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, Hear now, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? Whoa. Something's wrong here, isn't there? Moses has got kind of an attitude. Amen. Here in another month or two, my wife and I are going to go to Arizona. Our, all three of our kids are going to meet us there. That's going to be cool, isn't it? My son calls me about every week, and he tells me, and he reminds me that he forgot his snow shovel. He lives in Arizona. Yeah, I'm going to slap him when I get there. That's what I'm going to do. A little creep. But this is going to be nice. My wife and I are going to take about 10 days, and we're going to go down there. We're going to rent a home. We're going to buy groceries. We're just going to stay in that home. That's what we usually do when we go on vacation, by the way, is we don't want to be around anybody. And that has been my therapy over the years. Because you folks, I, I mean, I'm not going to compare you with the congregation here, but you folks can get under my skin, too. Well, I'm just making a point here, folks. I'm just making a point. And this is what happened to Moses. And I'm, again, I'm not blaming Moses. I found myself in that position from time to time. And I am so thankful for a good wife. My wife has given, or my wife, my, the Lord has given me such a tremendous sounding board over the years. There are probably hundreds of thousands of things that I have said to her that I would never say to you. I just wouldn't do it. And, and it's not that I'm venting on her every day. It's just the idea that she has a pretty good walk with God too. And her and I make a good team. And that's, uh, that's my still water. That's one of the things that naturally God led me to. And I got a feeling she, he led her to me. And we have become in the natural realm good for each other. Now, she's not God, and I'm not God, and we're never, ever, we've been married going 42 years now, and we're not going to become gods. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. I recognized that a long time ago, praise God, that God will take natural things in this world, praise God, and he will lead you to them. And you'd better start thanking God for those things. 
Come on, that's not a threat, folks. That is absolutely a privilege. Instead of complaining about that spouse, instead of complaining about all those people, you need to go someplace where you can begin to lift up in the name of Jesus and you can begin to realize how good that has been. Come on, there's more than three or four of you that need to have your, hair, your hands in the air right now. There's many of you that you need to get this. You need to receive this in the name of Jesus. Come on, God. God wants to do something great in your life. But sometimes we don't recognize the difference between the natural and the miraculous. And God has given us many things in this life. Praise God. Come on. If your husband comes to church, you ought to thank God for that every day. If your wife prays, you ought to thank God for that every day. Come on. I'm telling you right now, get rid of this bitterness and this fighting and this clamoring in the name of Jesus. And begin to give it to God in a great way in the name of Jesus. God, praise God. And I, I'm going to put a little disclaimer there. I don't cut her meat. I don't do everything for her. But my goodness, there are some things that because she has been my natural resource over the years, praise God, I'm going to take care of her. I'm going to cherish her. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to try to get better at doing that. Amen. Her and I are not done yet. Praise God. My father and mother passed away. My mother finally passed away here about a year and a half, a little over a year ago. You know, and yesterday, when was it, the, was it Friday that was the 4th? And I got thinking of that date and, and, and something that kind of clicked. And all of a sudden I thought, oh, 81 years ago, my mom and dad got married. That's a long time. I know they're both passed away, but I mean, that, that's quite a deal. I come from good stock. And I'm not blaming folks that have gone through divorces and all that kind of business. That's not my intention here. I'm just saying, folks, I thank God for that kind of stuff. And so you and I, we need to learn to do that. I think one of the themes of this service this morning is be thankful. Be thankful for what the Lord has done. Don't wait for somebody to get up and have to prompt you and pump you and all that kind of business. There ought to be something, praise God, that when God leads us beside the still waters, that we recognize that right away, praise God, and give God praise and glory. You got a good job? That's what God has done for you. You got a little bit of money, praise God? It's because of what the Lord has done for you. Don't ever forget that. Don't you get stingy and greedy and all of a sudden think that you're King Farouk here, folks. I'm going to tell you something. You get yourself into a lot of trouble. You give God praise and you give him thanks for all of these things in Jesus' name. And so the Bible says that Moses took the rod, he was obedient there, and as God had commanded him, and Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation in verse number 10 together before the rock, and he said unto them, Hear ye, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of the rock? He's getting a little upset. And Moses lifted his hand and with his rod he smote. You see that? He smote the rock twice. Somebody asked the question Wednesday night because I had mentioned it. You know, Moses was not allowed to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. And this is why. You say, man, God is hard. Yeah. Especially on leadership. That's why you need to be a little more kinder to him. Because God doesn't have near the patience with me as he has with you. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not vetting God as being mean. I'm just telling you how it works. 
Next time you want a position, next time you want to be up, you know, held up on high, you better start thinking about that. Amen. I didn't even know nothing about this stuff, but when God was calling me to the ministry, there was something in me that knew this was serious stuff. That's why I backed away. I said, God, you get somebody else. I, they, they, I don't deserve this, which was true, and God never argued with any of that stuff with me. But for some reason, I knew the severity. I knew the, the, the seriousness of what, I, what God was asking me to get involved in. And through the years, this has dem demonstrated itself very well. That's what it is. Now, again, I don't want you to start feeling sorry for me. I'm thankful God has been good to me. But, folks, I'm going to tell you something. The leadership takes it. They have to. Amen. And that's why leadership has to be called of God, not nepotism, not somebody's mom or dad that think their kids are real cute and they think they could, oh, they can do really good things. No, they better have a call of God on their life because God's going to put us in situations like this that, boy, we better have some resources and we better know the difference between the natural and the spiritual supernatural in Jesus' name. And so this is what has to be, praise God. And so God um, brought this about. And so Moses did something here that he wasn't supposed to do. But God being a merciful God, look at what he did. He allowed that water to come out. And some charismatic would come along thinking that God doesn't care how we do it. That's exactly what they would think. Well, I can live any way I want to. I can do anything I want and God will just bless me. And boy, that is really, really not smart. But God is merciful, and I'm not going to take away from that. And God knew there was a congregation, praise God, that needed to have water, and he had mercy upon that congregation, even when the man of God didn't do exactly what he told him to do. But you must understand, with God, amen, there's going to be repercussions. And here it is, folks. This is what you must understand, praise God. The Bible says in verse number 12 that the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, and he said, because you believe me not to sanctify. You know what the word sanctify means there? It literally means to honor God. Amen. That's why, you know, I've had over the years, I've had people done me wrong. You know, I could write a couple of country songs, you know. And, um, and God has given me specific instructions when that happens. And it has, man, paid great dividends. And you know what that instruction is? It's very simple. He said, I want you to pray for them. Literally. I had somebody here about six years ago that did me real wrong, cost me a lot of money. And God had me, has me praying for them, and I haven't quit yet. Praise God. When I became district superintendent, I didn't even get back from the meeting to my house. And I had somebody call me and read me the riot act. Told me I was unworthy and you're a one, one year person in the whole nine yards. And man alive, I was, whoa, where did this come from? I'm just trying to help people. But God again during that time said, pray for them. And this person's all dead and gone and I prayed for them and I'm still praying for their family. I'm telling you the truth, folks. God knows how to handle it all. Whether you're in leadership or whether you're a saint that's trying to follow God, he will give you simple instructions. And I'm going to tell you something. When you begin to follow those simple instructions, you can expect God in the name of Jesus to do things that you couldn't do yourself in the name of Jesus. Come on, there's some unforgiveness in this place right now. And somebody needs to lift up their hand, and you need to let God be God in the name of Jesus. Come on, come on, let's sweep all of this stuff under the, under the blood of Jesus Christ. 
Christ. Come on, get over it. Maybe somebody has done you wrong. Maybe somebody has did something to you. But come on, why don't you get God's favor in your life? Why don't you begin to pray for them? Why don't you begin to ask the Lord to help them and bless them in the name of Jesus? Come on, folks. This isn't that hard. Come on, with his help we can do this. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, we're going to stay here for about at least another 15, 20 seconds. Come on, somebody needs to cry to the Lord right now for help. You need to get over that bitterness. You need to get over that kind of anxiety in the name of Jesus. Come on, I'm not making demands, but I'm going to tell you something. He's led us beside the still waters here today. And you might be between a rock and a hard place, but God, through His supernatural power, He can bring water into the situation. Come on, I'm telling you right now, it's here. It's in a powerful way. Oh, sta, yalamato, yala, me, amen, alive. Come on, folks online. Don't you sit there like a stump. Come on, you lift up your hands in the name of Jesus. Call upon the Lord right now. Mm, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, my goodness, my goodness, what a merciful God, what a merciful God. Oh, hallelujah, what a merciful God we serve. Oh, hallelujah, what a merciful God. Praise God, praise God, praise God. So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because, because you guys didn't sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this congregation into the land, he said, that I have given them. So there you are. One act of disobedience. One act of disobedience. You think, boy, God is a hard God. No, he's just one that, that, that follows the rules and the principles. And, you know, somebody told me one time, and I've been doing research ever since, there's three major influences in, in, in the kingdom of God. Three major influences. And some of you have heard this before. One, of course, is the Word of God. The Word of God is supposed to be one of the major influences in your life every day. And if it's not, you need to really step that one up, really. And that's not a reading program, folks. That's an attitude. And then, you know, you and I who have been blessed to have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of the Lord is another one of those major influences that God will bring into your life. The Bible says in the 16th chapter of the Gospel of John that the Spirit will lead us into all truth. Literally, I didn't say push. I didn't say pull. I didn't say threaten, manipulate. No, the Spirit is meant to lead and that's why it has to be a major influence because if it isn't, you'll never be led by the Spirit. You'll just sit there and you'll, become, you'll come up to one of these um, challenges like these people and you'll start spitting out all kinds of carnal stuff. God is mean, man. He don't love me and all that kind of business and you'll get involved in psychology and then you'll really be messed up. Seriously. I'm, I'm serious. And so we must allow these influences to come into our life. But the other one is the one that, I, it took me a long time to, to really swallow this one, but I had a man of God come and do some teaching out here years ago. And he, he, I had a lot of confidence in his walk with God. And he said at that time, he said the third major influence that God has upon his church is the ministry. He gave, therefore, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, 
How? Why? For the perfecting of the saints? Wow, you think God would just come down here and just line us all up and go boop, 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 boop. But he doesn't do that. The natural waters. The natural waters he will lead us to. Amen. And so for the perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry and the edifying of the body of Christ. What a responsibility. And because this man of God made a point that I'd never seen before, before that. He said, you know, the word and the spirit never fail. Never. You're not going to see one time where God goes, oh, man, I should have done that, you know. No. God doesn't fail, but the ministry does. And that's one thing that the Old Testament will teach us. Those kings, when many of those kings would fall, it didn't just take their family with them. It took, you know, most of the congregation with them. Now, I'm not trying to give you nightmares. I'm trying to give you a reason to pray for leadership instead of criticizing it. I'm telling you folks, and I'm not planning on failing. That's not arrogance, that's destiny. But the bottom line is, folks, that's why this is all part of that package that God was showing me out that, uh, up that upstairs apartment on Windsor in Dubuque, Iowa. I looked out that thing for hours, and God showed me people, and he showed me all kinds of situations during that time, and I still never had a clue what I was getting involved in. But God was beginning to emphasize to me the importance and the necessity of my walk with him in Jesus' name. And so here you have it, praise God. God emphasizes this with, with Moses, that Moses, because you didn't honor me, praise God. And so it wasn't that Moses was lost. It wasn't that he went to hell, that he never got right with God. I, I thank God for the, the, for the man that the Bible describes, describes as being one of the meekest people that ever lived. That was the attribute that the Bible puts on Moses. And that's what I'm trying to strive to do. Praise God. I want to be meek. I want to be humble. Praise God. And man, that takes a lot of work. That takes, you know, things from God. That takes people in my life. That takes his word. That takes his spirit. And it's going to take the same thing with you. This is why you and I must dedicate ourselves to the things of God. We can't wishy-washy this thing. We can't just, you know, in out one day and out the next. Come on. That's one thing this church has emphasized to you probably the first or second time you came here. That you recognize that about this body of Christians. Yeah, they're not perfect, but boy, they sure are dedicated. They sure, man, they, they, they mean what they say in, in all those areas. And so this is what God does. He leads you besides these natural waters. Amen. Jesus said, if you believe on me, as the scripture saith, come on, he said, out of your bellies, your innermost being would flow rivers of living water. Amen. And so I believe that can happen. I believe that can happen at a kitchen table. That can happen in a jail cell. That can happen anywhere. And that's, that's God. That's what God does in Jesus' name. And so to recap what we're talking about here, and I'm going to quit here in just a few minutes. I'm going to give you a homework assignment, okay? But, um, um, you know, let God lead you. He isn't always going to have that rock where you can speak or you can smite it where the, where the water will come out. And believe me, you know, I, I, I love to bend there. That, well, that's awesome. How could anybody deny that? Whoa, 
you know? But a lot of times God used the natural things. And let me give you one final emphasis here, okay? And that is with the tabernacle plan. The tabernacle plan itself. And like I said, study it. It's a, a tremendous study. Brother uh, Anthony Mangan has a study that he does through the tabernacle praying. It'd be well, 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 well worthy of your time. I have the book. I bought books. We went through, took a, a discipleship class through it, and it's a powerful. It'll show you some of the emphases of those things that were in that tabernacle. But basically what you had, you had three different areas. You had different, three different areas in that tabernacle. You had one that was called the outer court. And you've got to remember, there was a fence that was built there, a seven-foot fence. Where not, you couldn't just get in any way you wanted to. There was one gate, the eastern gate, and that's how you got through. I mean, folks, there's just so much to be, to be learned from the tabernacle plan. There just is. But inside that gate, there was the outer court. That's where they did the, um, the slaying of the animals. That's where they um, put it on that brazen altar, that type of thing. And you must understand, that was naturally lit. That's why they did that stuff during the day. It's because the natural light would light that. Praise God. And then you had that building. Remember the building that was divided into two parts? You had two-thirds here and then one-third there where the Ark of the Covenant sat. You know? Well, they went into that building and it was covered with those badger skins in such a way that there was no natural light that could come in there. God purposely did that. And those priests would go in there and they would perform those daily duties. And they had to have provided light. That's why they had to take the olive oil and they had to beat it and they had to make that oil so that they could burn that oil that was provided in, the inner, in that inner place. And then there was, once a year, remember how the high priest would go in there and he would offer that, that atonement offering, praise God, and that was the highlight of Israel's year, praise God. Happened in the fall of the year. But they would go into that um, Holy of Holies, and that was supernatural light that was in there. But not many people dwelled in the supernatural light. Come on. There is natural light that God gives us as human beings. You were created and I were created in the image of God. Now, I'm not taking away from the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but you and I have naturally God tendencies because we were built like him. That's why I'm telling you folks, can come into this place backslidden and all kinds of bad things in their life and they can recognize God in here. Amen. And that's good. It needs to be. But then the provided light, which in my opinion, one of the places God provides that for us is through the word. Thy light is a lamp unto my feet. How shall a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed unto thy word. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. That's provided light. That's not some you know, option. That's God's provided light for you. And then every once in a while, praise God, and I think it needs to happen more than it does, there'll be supernatural light, praise God. I could tell you some things that would bring confusion to some of your life, but God has showed me some of that supernatural light. And it's powerful, but I'm not going to let that go to my head. Because most of the time, I'm in the natural light, and i got to have the provided light in my life. 
That's how I operate most of the time during the week, praise God. Come on, one of the comments I made when I came to a church like this, you know, after a long drought in my life, I said, man, why don't we just have services every day of the week? Why don't we just all quit our jobs and just meet up here at 7 in the morning? I said, now it's 10 in the morning. But I'm just saying, let's just meet up here and let's just have church. Let's just get that supernatural light going like, a, like anything. And folks, I've been in places where that kind of stuff happens. God allows us to do that. But we all got to go back. We all got to go back to that, to that natural and that provided life. That's what God says. And, and so I hope that um, I'm not going to give you that assignment today. I'm going to keep that one. But God just has a provided situation for you. And so I want you to stand with me today. I hear something. Okay. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm going to ask us to just close our eyes and lift up our hands right now. And let's, let's ask the Lord to help us. Now, again, I'm not threatening you, but you need to respond. There needs to be a response to this. And I'm not telling you what to do. We have an altar down here where you can come. And, and I mean to tell you, there's lots of great things that you can get involved with. But I'm just telling you right now, you need to respond. Come on. This was for you and me. This was a message that God said, hey, come on, come on. Let's let God do his thing here in the name of Jesus. Come on, we got a few minutes. Come on, now come on, many of you, come on, you're going to go home and eat some good meals, but come on, why don't you come to this altar in the name of Jesus?